Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the You Can Do It Too podcast. My name is Mamadou Balde, and I'm your host. This podcast has two objectives. To provide a platform for minority professionals to share their inspiring stories and to inspire minority students to believe that their options are unlimited and that they can be whoever they desire to be. I hope this podcast ignites that fire inside of you and pushes you to strive to be the best you. On this podcast, I will be bringing minority guests from a variety of professions, engineering, medicine, entrepreneurship, law, business, etc., who will be sharing their journey to where they are today with you. I hope that these stories will inspire you to believe that whatever your goal or your dream is, you can do it too. Man, what a beautiful day. Again, thank you. Thank you for the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember the first time we met. uh, It was freshman year and you were one of the people at UT that I really looked up to you and your twin. In oh, terms man. of role, role models, you guys were definitely role models in terms of just carrying yourself with respect, respecting us, the young people coming in. You guys really welcomed us. Man, appreciate that, man. It was always, it was a pleasure getting to meet you as well. You was always someone who I knew from the jump was had a good weight on their shoulders and was going to go places. So, So thanks for that. I appreciate it. I really appreciate that. Yeah. How, how is everything going out there? Uh, I know the world is still crazy. Uh, 2021 has been better than 2020, but it's still crazy. How is it going over there? Yeah, man. Um, 2020 was definitely a different year to say for the very least. But I think on my end, everything's going good. My family is healthy right now. My friends are doing good. Uh, my job is doing good. So honestly, like, as bad as 2020 was for a lot of people, I, I'm fortunate enough to say I can't complain um, and everything's going good for me. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. How, how's work? Uh, how long have you been at Philip 66? Yeah, I mean, work's doing good. Um, I've been with the company now for almost three years now, actually. June will be my third year uh, anniversary month. So it's actually time has flown by. It's, it's pretty insane, wow. but... Yeah, so far everything's been good though. Man, it's already been three years. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Definitely wow. a lot of learning, a lot of experiences, new networks. It's been it's been definitely a ride. Definitely. What does your job consist of over there? Yeah, so currently I just rotated into a new role about a few months ago. So my current role job title says reporting and position control analysts. Um, What that means in short terms is I'm a risk analyst. So I support our commercial trading group and my day-to-day job really is, I come in every day, um, I look at and analyze my specific traders trades that he puts into the system. And I look at his positions that he has, his exposure to the market, make sure his hedging strategies are correct. And also I calculate his daily like P&L or profit and losses, depending on how the market moves from the day prior. So. It's a pretty interesting role, getting to learn a lot more about trading concepts, especially within the oil and gas industry. And wow. it's, it's very interesting, too. Like whenever things happen, like, for example, the winter storms a couple weeks ago, I kind of had this. I kind of got to see it like 
what it looked like on our systems or within the market, like the day after we got back to work. So it was pretty interesting. Wow. Especially right now, I feel like you learn so much because of everything that's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just every day in this role is you have the same day-to-day, same day-to-day process, but everything, it can be all good one day. And then the next day it can be just a lot of issues and it's always something new and it's pretty exciting. So definitely learning a lot as, as I progress in this role. Definitely. Definitely. It seems I see an upside though in the oil and gas industry. Many of the stock uh, are coming up now. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's starting to bounce back. It's complete. It's completely different from what it was like last April when like prices were tanking and everything. So starting to see more of the upside of things. Definitely. Let's go back to where you grew up. Where did you grow up exactly? Yeah, so I'm actually um, born and raised out of Houston. So I've grew up here all my life. I grew up in the, I would say like the Cypress Katy area. And it's kind of interesting because growing up, um, my brother and I, we were kind of within that bubble in that specific area of the city and we didn't really venture out of it. So I would say now, like coming back to Houston, I think I have a completely different experience, a completely different perspective of the city because I'm actually one old enough, but two, I guess more adventurous to see different things in the city and, and just, yeah. just try new things. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been born and raised out of Houston. I've been here my entire life. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You go to? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went to high school uh, at Cypress Falls. Um, okay. So yeah, within the Cypress school district, um, it's very, um, very diverse school. Um, I would say diverse, but yeah, it was definitely competitive. Um, a lot of students there that me and Kyle had class with went on to like Harvard Ivy league schools, um, wow. doing really good things, Texas A&M, um, OSU, like they're, and they're all in different fields, like medical engineering, um, financial, a lot of smart people came out of that high school. It was very, very yeah. rewarding experience, but very stressful at the same time. Definitely. So from the beginning, there, there were role models. There were some kind of incentive in terms of pushing you guys to really go out there and be academically competent. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say my parents were um, serving as role models, but also my peers. Um, just, I guess, I didn't really see it as, it was a competitive atmosphere, but I think for me, it was more so um, competing with myself, but also trying to make sure I don't fall behind my peers, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't all, I didn't go to school every day thinking I have to be better than the person next to me. It was more so I don't want to fall behind. And mm-hmm. my parents kind of uh, also served as influencing factors as well. Definitely. Did you play sports? I feel like you play basketball, right? Yep. Um, I mean, my brother played varsity basketball and also while working or while at school, we worked part-time at a grocery store. So. Okay. Were there any push in terms of like, uh, Sports, because I know in Texas, sports is a big deal. Football, one team, but also basketball. Did you like feel any kind of like motivation to try college ball or stuff like that growing up? Yeah. So my brother and I, we actually played like AAU basketball, which is it's completely separate from like high school sports. It's, it's something that happens over the summer where you travel the country, the city, the state, and you play in these different tournaments that are really competitive and you actually get to play against a lot of Mm-hmm. future college prospects, future oh, NBA yeah, prospects yeah. and everything. So I think for me, like when I was in middle school, um, my perspective towards sports was to train to be your best and all, maybe you can get like a college opportunity out of it or something. But I think once I got to high school, 
Um, I, I started realizing that like maybe I wasn't the best basketball player and there's people who I could tell for sure were going to like make it to the pros and everything. And so I kind of started, to, I was still playing and still like being competitive in it, but I was taking a step back and realizing that, Hey, this might not be like the end goal, right? You might want to think of a different avenues to take. So I started focusing more, I think in high school on like my academics to make sure I can at least like get to a competitive college like UT. So I think my my narrative kind of changed as I navigated through my high school experience. Definitely. I feel like that's a key point that you just talked about. The, the ability to have exposure into different options, it just yeah. allows you to understand that there is so much options for you. You can do whatever that is best for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I think my parents did a did a great job also just influencing that on me and my brother. Um we didn't really have to have like a heart to heart conversation. It was more of like a, just a casual conversation every now and then saying, Hey, like, I know we love like the game of basketball, but this might not be like, like what you want to do, or this might not be like as, um, as available as you think it might be in the future. So you might want to like keep your options open for anything else that may come up. So just, they just, they didn't always tell us to make A's and everything that you did, like, like be the valedictorian or anything like that. But they always said, just push yourself. Um, try to understand and grasp the material and, and always kind of focus on the idea that education is a privilege, right? Like the, us being able to learn is actually like something that a lot of people across the world don't have the availability to do. So they always try to instill in us to value the idea of education and also just find your interest. Definitely. That is something that no one can take away from you. Yeah, most definitely. Definitely. That's amazing. That's amazing. One of the most uh amazing thing that you have that I feel like many uh, people would like to have is, is a twin, like a brother <laughs> who's so close in age, right? And so yeah. like some people though, right, they don't get along with their twin, but from the <laughs> beginning when I met you, I saw that you really uh, get along with your twin. You guys do things together all the time. How do you feel like having a twin uh, helped you be the man you are in terms of like just motivated you to to be a little bit more competitive. I know you guys always pushing each other. Yeah, um, I definitely will say. So it's so interesting to say like that we're twins and everything because I don't even see us as twins, even though we're identical twins. Like he's just my brother, but yeah. I always have to remind myself every day. Whenever, especially because we work at the same company, when people get confused and they see us, I'm like, oh, we actually look alike <laughs> and stuff. So, but yeah. um, yeah, um, I definitely agree with what you said. Um, like having him every day in my life and stuff, we, I, I see as more as like a companion and as someone who will challenge me and I challenge him, we, we don't really compete with each other. Um, but when it was very good in college, we got the same degree. So whenever we took class and stuff together, there was always, for some reason, I don't know if the universe like worked out perfectly, but if I didn't understand the concept, he understood it vice versa. So yeah. we always had someone who would like, tutor me who would train me who would help me understand grasp the material but also like whenever things didn't go right I had someone to vent to I had someone to celebrate with um I had someone to ride out the storms with so I think just having someone like it's basically like having a best friend like just having someone that was there with me every single day for um and it was like basically mold me into the person I am now so I'm definitely appreciative of it but I would definitely say it's very much similar to having just a sibling or a best friend with you every yeah. day that is amazing, and I feel like that's a blessing. I I heard, uh, I, I know one story, uh, the two twins from Harvard who were the first people who came up with the idea of Facebook, 
uh, before <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg came and took that idea. Mm-hmm. They, I feel like they had the same thing. They're not exactly similar in terms of things that they do, right? Mm-hmm. Each person has valuable skills that complemented the other, but they mm-hmm. all had the same vision. They just yeah. kept focused on the same vision and they built so many companies after that. They're the first investor who invested in Bitcoin. Oh, wow. I, had no, I didn't know about that. So even though that Facebook idea left them, it's, they still <laughs> kept working together. It's just two twins. And they won, actually, when they were in college, they won the national championship for rowing. Uh, oh, really? Apple. Yeah. So they've always oh, been wow. together and just working together. So I, I noticed the same thing. Yeah, man. Um, I definitely will say, like, one of our advantages, I guess, in school, especially when playing basketball, was that we always had some sort of chemistry together, I guess, because we were around each other all the time. So I could definitely say, I'm pretty sure those twins also had very good chemistry when they did rowing and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So when you decided to go to UT for business mm-hmm. school, and yeah. uh, I, I remember, I'm sure when you were there, because I came in uh, when you were still there, and mm-hmm. I remember Macomb was one of the best, uh, was actually the number one business school in the nation. Yep. Mm-hmm. How hard was it to get in that? Because I know... Uh, I've talked to so many people in that atmosphere who told me that it's very hard for black people to get to get in just because of other things, not even for academic abilities, but because of all the different politicals and stuff like that. Yeah. So me and my brother actually had a different like avenue through Macomb. So my freshman year, I initially wanted to get into the engineering school, but I didn't get in. And so I, I guess because Macomb was my second choice or my third choice, um, I was automatically like not admitted. So my freshman year, or my brother and I's freshman year, we actually went undergrad as uh, economics majors. So we was uh, in the College of Liberal Arts and we had the transfer within the institution through Macomb's like internally. Wow. So it was definitely, hard. yeah, it was definitely like, I remember like my orientation, we was always kind of reminded that the odds of transferring in that way was pretty slim. So my freshman year was, to say at the very least, so much stressful. We had to make sure our GPAs are high enough. We had to take our the prerequisites, calculus one, two, economics, uh, micro and macro. Um, and yeah, through that, we actually were fortunately able to do pretty well in those classes and able to transfer in that way. But yeah, I definitely will say McCombs was, it was definitely an experience. Um, I will say, I hope it's doing better now, but I think when we was there, the diversity numbers weren't as great as they should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was definitely some of, definitely some of the only people of color in our classes um whenever recruiting and stuff the only people of color like at career fairs um so it was definitely like an eye opener but i think that within the macombs specifically like within the black community in macombs we definitely found like a safe space to um, like work together um, took classes together and things of that nature so we was able to get through it together not individually definitely when i started at ut i thought that it was just in chemical engineering but i realized uh, it's, a, it's definitely the situation for many students uh, in business, in other science mm-hmm. classes and stuff like that. Yeah. And I know you had your brother, so that was definitely helpful. But still, I feel like in, in this atmosphere, you grew up in a place where there was diversity and mm-hmm. you did not have to uh, think about uh, who looked like you around the class, right? And stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, come, I'm sure that kind of feeling uh, crossed your mind, like, why am I the why there are so few people that look like me? How did yeah. you 
how did you adapt to that situation? Yeah, um, it definitely, again, it was an eye-opener. And there was times, too, where, like, the idea of imposter syndromes came in, like, where I felt like I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever did something well, like, a, received a good score or something, I felt like it wasn't legit. Or if I ever, like, didn't do well, I feel like it's because I, I, I didn't have the skills or I, I couldn't compare to my my companions. But I think the biggest thing for me was um, to take a, take a step back and kind of, like, reassess myself, my capabilities. The fact that I was even, like, admitted into the University of Texas um, I was like part of the 4% was like kind of my reassuring factor that I deserve to be there, right? Um, going to office hours, actually just taking the initiative. I think my companions, some of the students wouldn't even like take the opportunities like to the next level, but I would make sure I would, if I didn't understand the concept, like I would build a relationship with my professor. Um, we would have study groups with students, not just of, like, of color, but across the classes and everything, just to build our networks, our, our relationships and just understand one another. And then at times too, whenever we felt like we weren't being treated like equally or something, we would actually like take the time to meet with people and actually discuss our perspectives on things. So I think it was more of like a lot of understanding of who I was and, and also my companions and just basically using my resources. Wow, that's a great point. And I feel like that takes courage because many times we think in our head how we would address those situations. But whenever you mm-hmm. are at that, when it happened in front of you, things shift it's like should i should i let it go mm-hmm. should i how how did you fight that battle yeah um so also another thing that was interesting was the idea that we we're the only people of color in the class we would always think that oh because i'm the only person of color like people always are looking at me weird thinking i'm like i don't belong there or things but i we also like one of the mindsets i kind of thought of and like try to take into initiative was to use it in my favor right like being the only person of color in the class, if I just sat in the front of every single lecture and a professor wow. like saw me as the only like person of color, they'll one like out of a class of 300 kids remember what my name was. So if I went to office hours, if I needed like a curve or anything, like they would always say, oh, this person was for sure in class. Like he's in the back of their heads, like he's the only person of color. Like he has, he, he's for sure here. Like I know this person. And so it definitely worked in your favor. You just have to, I guess for me, it's kind of like using my preconceptive like um, oppressing factors like an advantage, right? Um, and again, like it, it was just like a different perspective to have, but um, it definitely helped me like navigate through the school as well. Wow, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 from the first from the first semester at U, at UT, I decided to sit in that front, and by my senior year, everybody knew that was my seat. It's like yeah. my idea was like. Yes, nobody looked like me, but if I'm in the front, I don't have to look at anybody. I don't have to realize how mm-hmm. many people that doesn't look like me. I can just face in the front and focus on the lecture. Yeah, and I you're right. Yeah, I could definitely say, like, I think every single class that I took at McCombs, the professor, like, knew me, my brother, and our other friends, like, names by heart because we're the only people of color in the class. So. Exactly, yeah. That, yeah, definitely. That's definitely a, a big positive there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you eventually found your community. Uh, even though UT is fifty thousand people and about five to eight percent uh, African American Black people, you were able to find your community. Like I, I, I for myself, like I'm sure for you also, we kind of knew everybody who was Black. Yeah, yeah, even everyone though, knew each other. <laughs> Exactly. Even though compared to the 50,000, we were like about 3,000, it mm-hmm. was still like, it felt small and we found that community. 
Yep. Yeah. How did you? Uh, what was that like? How how hard did you had did you work to find that community? Um. So I think one of the things I loved the most about like the black community at UT was even though we were very small, we were very like open arms, and we definitely like to like a <laughs> to like a, a extent of force that like, we kind of like reached out to people. I think like like did you attend New Bucks in a weekend when you were a freshman? I did not. I don't know okay. why I did. I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, but that was definitely like something I think that was very beneficial for like incoming students, especially incoming like black students was like the idea of that, like actually reaching out to students before they reach even t- step foot on campus and like providing them with an orientation and just showing that there's like an open like network of people like who hang out together, who's who like have events together and everything. So I think kind of going in um, one, like the community was like, like open arms to like incoming black students, but also like there were a lot of like upperclassmen that I was able to be mentored by who provided resources to us, who would give us rides to go get our haircut, who would take us like to different restaurants in Austin, who would actually like sit down and have like coffee with us or something and actually like navigate us through our career paths, our our degree plans, who would actually like vent to us, who, who can like share our experiences with. So I definitely think the black community, even though it was small, definitely like provided the resources uh, needed to like socially navigate through a, um, a predominantly like white, white institution. So I'm definitely grateful for the black community. It was, it was it was more than rewarding. That's powerful because I heard so many stories of students who did not have access to their advisors. Like they didn't yeah. get help from them. Yeah. So at least like I think from from my experience too, like. I didn't my I didn't really my first year have like an advisor per se because I was trying to transfer into like my school. So I at least had people who were like seniors who were in Macombs who can like at least tell me like, hey, you should take this class, take this professor, um, you should like buy this textbook, don't buy all the textbooks. Like I had people who were able to share their experiences with me since I didn't really have like that per se support 100 percent from like the institution itself. Yeah. You eventually became an alpha. Yes. Where, did you, where did you think about that decision? Because I remember when I came into when I came into UT. Uh, so my friend group was Kasim and all of them, and we all were like, "Oh, we don't want to be part of that." And eventually, <laughs> most of us joined. Yeah. Um, so I guess I could just give you my story. So going into uh, like college, I already had like a like pre-existing knowledge of like the Divine Nine, the different like African American. Uh, intercollegiate fraternities and sororities mm-hmm. on campus um but I wasn't like you said I wasn't really like per se interested like I wasn't like devoutly interested in joining them um I think what what piqued my interest when I was a freshman was getting to know the members um because a lot of the members my freshman year were the president of other student organizations they were people who were studying abroad there were people who were doing exceedingly well in their classes and there were people who were just every day as like seniors interacting with freshmen, like just talking to people, um, given their set quote unquote status on campus. So I kind of wanted to be like them. I wanted to be like a resourceful person. I wanted to be someone who was, um, I wouldn't say like the leader on campus, but who was a student leader. And so I guess get, just getting to know them more, getting to like hang out with them and stuff kind of sparked my interest to pursue like membership in a fraternity. And so even then, like after I became a member of Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, it was definitely like a rewarding experience just getting to be a part of like like a brotherhood of like very keen individuals also like a huge network 
was definitely rewarding. I have so many experiences of just traveling the country, like stepping and stuff. I'd never stepped before in my life, but stepping and stuff, yeah. like performing, getting to meet people, going to business events. Um, even in my job now, like a lot of, a lot of like the black men at Full City Six that I've met so far are actually like Alpha Phi Alpha members. So, or, wow. or, or, or a lot of like the, um, the black employees at Full City Six are part of other divine organizations. So it's definitely like a great networking aspect as well. Wow. That is powerful, and uh, I, from my readings about about those fraternities, it, it was founded on black excellence. Leaders in the community was trying to show uh, the the right model for uh, young black people, right? And yep. mm-hmm. that I, I feel like that the kind of that kind of brotherhood is always brotherhood and sisterhood is powerful. It really is something that is needed in the communities to just help inspire people. What does that brotherhood mean to you as you experience that in college? Yeah, I guess for me, um, it was definitely everything you just mentioned. Like it was always just trying to be like a face in in the form of like in the community, right? Just being like a resource. That's that's kind of how I viewed Alpha was just so, like a resource for the students. Like we called ourselves we're the Epsilon Iota chapter at University of Texas, but we call ourselves the people's chapter. We always wanted to serve the people, whether it was through our events, through community service acts or things like that. So I always wanted to make sure like, I was again, like someone who was available to the students. Um, if they needed to talk to me, um, like if they needed help with academics, if they needed advice on things, um, I, w- I want to make sure like us as a chapter and as well as me as a person was just like, again, a resource to the students. That's amazing. That's amazing. and. Connecting to that, you also uh, studied abroad a lot. I noticed that yes. you studied abroad in China, South yeah. Africa. So one yeah. of the things that we are very minority, black people are very minority on, again, is, is taking the opportunities to go out, outside the country and go see other places, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that I heard Dr. Moore talk about is get your passport. Everybody who go out for the first time when they come back, get your passport. This is an amazing opportunity. Talk about that experience. And if you have any advice for young people, like in terms of if this is something that's necessary for them to do. Yeah, I guess I'll first talk about my experience and then get to the advice. So from my experience, my freshman year, me and Kyle took a class called Race in the Edge of Obama, taught by Dr. Moore. Yeah, and um, I, I remember, yeah, I remember um, like every day after class, we would just go and just ask him questions about like what we debated on during the lecture. And, then, and I remember one day he just out of nowhere, just bluntly just said, hey, have you ever like been out the country before? And I was like, no, like I've never like even thought of that. That was like never in my mindset to leave the country. Like I didn't know what was out there. And so he said, hey, you should just apply like to to go to China this summer. So I like just nonchalantly just applied to go to China. Didn't think I would even get in the program. Long story short, like we did. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm really going to China. So I had like just mentally prepared for like what I was getting myself into. I kind of just signed up like loosely, right? But it was definitely like a rewarding experience. I think that was, besides being a member of like Alpha Alpha Fraternity Corporate, I definitely think studying abroad like changed my life. Like it definitely opened my eyes to just what's out there in the world. And just seeing that like, by taking risk, the reward can be so great. Um, my, my freshman year, like you mentioned, um, I studied abroad in, in Beijing, China, where we studied social entrepreneurship as well as Chinese history. And then my sophomore year, I love China so much, so I just signed up immediately to go to South Africa. Wow. Um, Town, South Africa, yeah. And then in between there, too, um, my brother, I, as well as a couple of other friends, we went to Japan, um, 
Thailand, uh, Spain, we just traveled the world. And so I think like just taking that step um, for advice to, to people um, who are coming through college, just take the take the daring risk to study abroad. Um, even if you have like any kind of inclination to do it, just definitely go all in and do it because you will never know like the experience that you will get from it or that you'll miss out if you don't do it. And even wow. then for my career now, I remember I, so I interned for Phillips before I got the full-time offer. And I remember in my interview for my internship, I think about 60% of my internship, we talked about my experience in China. Like, wow. like so definitely, it definitely, especially as a, a minority, it opens the doors for you just to talk about your experience abroad, just showing that you're capable and you're competitive to not only work in your own comfort, comfortable setting, but also you're able to adapt to new things. So mm-hmm. I definitely recommend studying abroad to everyone in the uh, undergrad right now. It definitely opened my eyes and it literally changed my life. Definitely. Knowledge is powerful. And the more you see, it's like reading books. You just, the ability to go outside your own world. You yeah. Just learn so many different ways to come up with solutions because you just know more. Yeah. And, and again, I mentioned earlier, like it definitely, I think what, what benefited me the most from like my experiences abroad was the idea, of, which I'm still working on to this day, is to take risk, right? Um, even at my job, like when I do projects and everything, like, like, value uh, evaluating the decisions the consequences and just just going all in right being confident in my decisions the path that i take and just again being open to the idea of like like unforeseen things uncomfortable things getting out of my comfort zone and just just going all in and taking the risk um i definitely think studying abroad it teaches you different aspects of your life outside of just learning new cultures right you get the just you basically just see yourself in a completely different way than when you first got on the plane to leave so definitely Definitely, that makes sense. And you did, after that, talking about internships, you did a couple of internships before you went to Philips 66. And now, uh, since you started there, how, how hard was it to adapt uh, to, to the atmosphere, the corporate atmosphere, or even just life uh, from a college student to, to being an adult? <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'll go first professionally. So professionally, so as we mentioned earlier, like Phil City Six is in the oil and gas industry. So I think um, after graduating college, like it was definitely a learning curve. Um, just no matter what your role is, no matter where you go after school, you're definitely going to hit a learning curve. Right. And I think a lot of people always, t- always told me when I was in school that you probably only use about 30% of what you learn in the work setting. And I, I could say like from my experience, that is, that's pretty true. Um, going into my role, I had like my preconceptive financial background, my accounting background, but I was learning completely new concepts, complete things I've never seen before, never even heard of before, new systems and everything. So it definitely took a long time. I won't say a long time. It took like, it took some time to adapt to just the new work environment. Um, and I think what helped me was just the overall culture of Philosophy 6. I think that our culture is very family oriented and we're very I think we're very open arms because a lot of the times when I would have to ask questions, they were always encouraging. There was no such thing as a dumb question within the company. Mm-hmm. And they always want to make sure you're motivated and passionate to learn not only like what it is to do, what buttons you have to click in your job, but how it works. Like how do you get from A to Z? So I definitely think that for me, like it took, a, it took a little bit of time to adapt, but, I, but once you understand or the idea of like being bold and asking questions, being curious in your work, it definitely everything co- starts coming together more quicker than initially. Um, yeah. Socially though. Um, so it definitely, 
I think for my life, it definitely slowed down a little bit from school because I feel like in college, you're always in the go, go, go mindset, whether it's waking up 8 a.m. to go to class or you're staying up until 3 a.m. to study for midterms or finals or you're going to student wars or you're going to parties or stuff, something. Um, now in my current work setting, it's, it's literally just go to work, come home. Yeah. And like there was times where literally, like, especially right after school, where I was so used to going to like a student org meeting or going to an event where I literally was sitting at home saying, dang, what should I do right now? Because I have nothing, I, I don't, I have no idea. I had to find hobbies, um, started reading more, started watching more TV shows. And I just had to find out like, what were my like, interests outside of the work setting? So I, it definitely was a time of like reevaluating, reevaluating myself, like what I liked, what I didn't like. And I think that's where I kind of started navigating the city of Houston more just finding like different interests and stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And talking about the thing you talked about earlier is taking taking ownership of your job instead of just doing what's what's the minimum, right? Asking more mm-hmm. questions and just yeah. making sure that whatever you are understanding is adding value, is making you more marketable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Um, again, like always, ask questions. Always be curious in your work. Understand like not how to do something, but also why it happens. And yeah. also just taking interest, like, for example, another thing that I do outside of my day-to-day job is I recruit with the company. So wow. I wanted to make sure I was able to, again, to be resourceful to other people. And I think that's one of my passions is just being like a helpful person, being someone who can like give advice or just provide opportunities to other people. So I remember like within my first couple months of the role, I asked like, hey, can I join the recruiting team? Because I wanted to not only go back to the college campus, but also like share my experiences with people. So I definitely recommend like outside of your day-to-day job, like if you have any passions try to like navigate that through your career as well um and it definitely works out like you could definitely find other opportunities like you don't have to just go to work every day just to work you can also go to work and enjoy what you do you can also develop yourself in different avenues as well definitely definitely wow that's amazing and talking about uh adapting i know when you started i'm sure there were multiple rooms that you walked in where you didn't feel comfortable and and you Sometimes, I mean, that's how that's how you grow. Sometimes you fail, you, you're not comfortable. How did you manage to really uh, to stay in those rooms and make sure that you adapt and, and even have a seat eventually? Yeah, that's a great question because that is very true. Um, I remember when I first started working and just sitting in those meetings, sitting at those roundtables with 15 people who have been working for the company for 15 years or 30 years, it was definitely like, intimidating right I was I felt like at times that my input wasn't as valid as theirs um I definitely think it just took time to just get comfortable with like my work um again asking questions and making sure like I understand again that like I was selected to be a part of the organization like they chose me because they believed in me they want to invest in me so I think with that kind of mindset and kind of with my like curiosity into learning my role it definitely helps you build like a certain level of confidence to have a voice like to realize your voice is valid within the meetings like and also again like to not to not uh to not be uncomfortable with asking questions right to actually have faith and um asking like the question that no one wants to ask right just being bold in what i say or what i contribute so i definitely think it just took time but i think as you navigate through your career um as you're curious and passionate about what you do you definitely develop that sense of confidence definitely and my last question is about uh, your own your own empire, your own legacy. Because w- one thing that one of my mentor uh, one one of my mentors told me one day, she was like, 
I come to work, I, I come to this job every day and do my job, then I go home and do my work, right? Meaning what, what she mean by work is that the things that she care about, the things that's gonna add value just to herself and not the company. How did you manage balance that right now in terms of you are, yes, helping the company, but you are also working hard to add value to yourself and make you more valuable? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I guess in terms of my career, I'm still trying to navigate and figure out what it is I want to do, like what my 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 end goal is. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, like it's just honing in on like who you are as a person. What are your interests? What are your passions? Again, mine's, mine's is helping other people. I love like providing opportunities to people. So I think every day when I go to work, I have that mindset. But even when I come home, I'm always looking into like what is something I can do to contribute, whether it's volunteering, whether it's just talking to students and going into school, my family members, my, my friends, my family members who are friends, friends, like how can I communicate my experience to other people? How can I help people? How can I be resourceful? And so I think it's just, again, like just understanding who you are as a person, like what it is that you're interested in and just taking advantage of like your capabilities to achieve whatever goal it is that you have and how you can get there. You don't have to just do it through work, but also you can, you can also play that factor in your corporate setting as well, or in your career setting as well. Definitely, definitely. Wow. Man, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Corey, for the time. This was yeah, amazing. man. Thanks again for having me. This is my first ever podcast, and it was definitely like a great experience. So I appreciate you it. You did amazing. You did amazing. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way, share it with a friend, family, or loved one. Before you leave, make sure to subscribe for more.